Hello, everyone. Welcome to Angels and Awakening. My name's Julie Jancis. I'm an angel messenger. I have the gift of connecting with your angels, your guides, your loved ones, and bringing through their healing messages to my clients every day. Today, we are talking about triangulation. It's something that comes up within relationships all the time. You might not even know that it's happening. Oftentimes, triangulation can be unintentional, but the effects that it can have on relationships can be detrimental. We have on a special guest, Catherine Perkle, a therapist, to talk more about this. Catherine, how are you? I'm great. How are you, Julie? Good. Tell us more (laughs) about yourself and what you do. Okay. I am a clinical psychologist, um, and I reside in Knoxville, Tennessee, Um, but I did my training out in Southern California, and I moved out here about four years ago, Um, and I see primarily uh, individuals and couples, all adults, um, and I really do like to focus on, because I really believe that sort of change is the the fundamental crux of so many of our existential crises throughout Mm -hmm. our lives, you know, whether it be from getting married to having babies to changing jobs to retiring, all these places where we're sort of forced to redefine ourselves um, and just helping people through those changes that, you know, come up in our lives again and again. And then also, I think why I'm so drawn towards your work is that I've really um, harness like a very existential bent on things where I'm really trying to help people make meaning of their lives and feeling like um, their suffering isn't for nothing, you know, and that we do go on. So I think, you know, that's the the sort of spiritual piece that I pull into my work as well. I love that. Mm-hmm. Catherine, you reached out to me and we did a session together first. Yes. Can you tell people about your session? Yes. Julie, what's awesome. <laughs> um, I I basically binged your podcast over maybe a week's time, and I was like, you know what? And I had had some, because um, I've definitely been on a spiritual journey in the last few years, and I so I've worked with some locals that uh, I saw a shaman here in Knoxville up in the Gatlinburg area, and then I went to like a psychic, and they just didn't really resonate with me, but I've still been on this journey. And so when I started to, you know, listen to your podcast and I really resonated with everything you were saying, I decided to book a session. So I did a Skype session with Julie and, um, and she hit on, you know, things that I've been working through professionally right away. And then the coolest part was, um, you know, we had a tr- the tragic loss of my brother-in-law um, three years ago. And it's funny because with those other healers I had seen, I had been thinking, you know, the whole time how much I wanted to hear from him. And when I talked with Julie, it wasn't even necessarily at the front of my mind. And um, like right away, she she was like, you know, who's the young male that's crossed over? And it was, I mean, Corey was just awesome. And he came through so strong. And um, I felt like his messages were so clear and it was so cool. Oh, yay. Mm-hmm. Yes. I got to say one other thing, too. Um, So you told me that I hold on to all my clients, like, pain in my solar plexus. And what's so funny is I went to, like, a guided meditation with, um, like, a Reiki healer, which I felt like was so sort of meant to be, too. I had a friend be like, hey, I'm going to this meditation. And, you know, I wasn't even thinking of going, so I went. 
And she came over and did a mini Reiki on me and she totally placed a crystal right on my solar plexus, like kind of thing that I needed more work there. So I just thought that was amazing too. That's awesome. Yeah, because that was just recently our session. And um, Uh when you are doing this work and you, what I do is if you come in person, I have you lay down on a massage table, fully clothed. And if you're distant, what I'm doing is I'm scanning your body as I go through it to see um, where the energy is that you're holding. And Mm -hmm. for that, for you, it was in your solar plexus. I mean, you could Mm -hmm. just feel how strong it was. And I'm so excited for you because you're doing the angel school. Yes. You're taking the class. I'm uh, so excited. September 21st and September 22nd. It's going to be a belated birthday gift to myself. So I'm very excited. Oh, I'm so excited for you because I think you're going to be able to incorporate that work so much into what you do. Yes. I feel like the longer that I'm a therapist, the more I really do see the connection between energy work and like working with basically, yeah, working with spirit and mind together. Yeah. Yeah. Absolutely. Mm Yeah. And then once you see it that way, you can't not. Totally. Totally. And I think (laughs) I told you, but I think why I've, and I think... I keep thinking of the quote, um, oh, I don't remember where I first heard it, but it's like, um, you know, when the student is ready, the teacher will appear. Yes. Okay. And I just feel like I've just been sort of, um, these parts of myself have just been opening up and then I don't know what it is, but I just feel so aligned with your work and it really feels like, you know, you're my teacher. So. Oh, well, <laughs> yeah. I felt the exact same way towards you because I had been praying for, I wanted to find a therapist that we could have more as a regular on the yeah. show to talk yeah. through some of these issues because I don't always necessarily feel comfortable coming at it from that perspective because I don't have that degree. Um, right. Not that you have to, to have it, but I just think it brings more professionalism to it to kind mm-hmm. of go really deep into some yeah. of these topics. Yeah. And that I just, I mean, I'm just inundated in, in so many of those narratives, you know, all day, every day. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Mm -hmm. You're surrounded by all those stories and what everybody is sharing with you. Yes. And how universal it is too. Like that the human Mm -hmm. experience is so universal. Yeah. Isn't that wild? I mean, when I, when I first got into doing this work, I I really thought that I was going to find the person here on earth who had it down like that they were doing life right and I was right man I am going to find that person and then I am just going to emulate my life off of what they're doing and like I worked with you know it's going to be a thousand sessions like one-on-one individual sessions that I'll have this year and um and that includes like the parties and everything too but I have not found one person no. Who has it down? 100%. Well, you know, it, it makes me think of, um, like, I know in my sort of deepest, and I, and I share, I, you know, part of what I do as a therapist, too, is I do share a lot of myself, because I think that, you know, it's important for people to, to understand that, like, we all share in, in the suffering, right? Um, mm-hmm. And so I, I do share parts of myself with my clients. And, you know, one of my darkest periods was, you know, I had a really bad bout with postpartum depression after my first son was born. And, um, 
And I, and that's kind of when I say I went on like my dark night of the soul journey, right? Kind of re- really starting to delve into these dark aspects of our psyche and trying to figure out, you know, who I am and why we're here and why we suffer. And I love, um, I know I've seen you quote Eckhart a lot. And mm-hmm. do you know, like Pema Chodron? Yeah. Yeah. So, so I remember reading when things fall apart when I was just in a really dark space. And one of the terms that she uses is, um, bodicha. And do you know this term? No, no, I haven't heard this one yet. <laughs> it's a really, I, her definition is, it's a Buddhist term. Bodhicca is basically that we're all, um, our birthright is like, um, that we're basically all born with a heart tinged with sadness. So like, it, it's just inherent mm-hmm. to being human that, that we mm-hmm. just, that, that sadness is sort of our birthright, you know, that, that that's all, that's just a part of, you know, being alive. And I just really like that because it's like, oh, so it's not something we're supposed to get rid of. It's just a, you know, a part of who we are. Yeah. Oh, mm-hmm. you know, it's so cool about that. When you just said that, I felt, mm-hmm. I felt um, this energy of peace mm-hmm. come into the hearts of all of the listeners out there. Mm-hmm. You know, what's Good. interesting is because there is no time on the other side. What's mm-hmm. really fascinating about the energy of the podcast or yeah. even videos that are produced is that yeah. it doesn't matter if you're on the call live while it's going on. It doesn't matter if you listen to it the first day. You are getting into the energy of it no matter yeah. what time you listen to it. So I'm just, that's so beautiful. Good. I Well, it is. And it just, get, it just helps you breathe this sigh of relief. Like, oh, yes. Like you know, sadness is like an arm or a leg. Like it just, it just is a part of who we are. Yeah. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Okay. So let's get into <laughs> some triangulation. Okay. And um, I like that we started out this way because in all of my podcasts, I want people to know there's no bad guys, right? We don't want to make mm-hmm. people out to be bad guys. Mm-hmm. I think a lot of triangulation can be a learned behavior that we learned as children, I think it can also be unintentional. Like we don't Mm -hmm. even know what we're doing. Um, So can you describe, um, or if you want, I can read this definition off of goodtherapy.org. Do you want to describe it? Sure. I mean, I just think of triangulation that's occurring basically between um, three people in any sort of relationship, whether it be, you know, friendship or family, loved ones, whatever, we're basically, um, I mean, the, the, the most obvious example that I think anybody can um, sort of concretely understand is the idea of like, if you have two parents and a child, and there's a relationship between the parent and the child, the mother and the father, you know, or, so the the mother and the child, the father and the child, and then the mother and the father, right? Um, and depending on how healthy or unhealthy that system is, um, you know, you can put undue pressure on, I guess, certain parts of the triangle. Yeah. And yeah. so, so like this can come up in any relationship in your entire life, like with Absolutely. family, with friends, at work and marriage. Um, yes. All over. Yes. Okay. Well, and what's interesting too is I'm looking at goodtherapy.com and I'm going to put these links up in the show notes, mm-hmm. but it says triangulation can lead to problems in relationships and the individual members of the triangulated relationship may experience stress, 
anxiety, or other mental health concerns as a result mm-hmm. of the triangulate, triangulation. Mm-hmm. When an individual feels as if he or she has been pushed out of an important relationship by a third party, for mm-hmm. example, he or she may often feel angry, confused, rejected, may experience depression or resentment. Further, when tension and focus is shifted to a third person, that person may feel burdened and frustrated and may attempt to withdraw from the relationship altogether. So Mm -hmm. let's talk about, like, when I kept doing this, I think an easy one to relate to is when we were, like, young girls, right? Mm -hmm. And Mm -hmm. you had friends in high school, and then something was being said, you know, about you, and you're like, wait, where did this come from? And you, totally. you think it's going to stop in high school, but then you get into adulthood and we recognize right. that it doesn't, that people well, continue on these behaviors. You know, it makes me think of, I remember in that other podcast and I so related, re- related to it because I don't know if I shared with you, but I also worked in business before deciding to go back to grad school and become a psychologist. And I had a very similar experience where I felt so like I led from the heart rather than <laughs> the brain. And I had a really hard time with colleagues that seemed to um, be better able to sort of separate out their emotional selves from their work, right? And um, and so I think like, yeah, in a lot of work relationships, you know, we can create these really toxic, you know, dynamics where, you know, if people are, you know, in competition with one another or, you know, somebody, you know, you've got two colleagues that are trying to impress a boss and, but maybe wanting to seem like you're friends with each other, but then like aligning with the boss behind your back and all those dynamics. I just couldn't, I just felt so overwhelmed. Like I just couldn't handle that kind of culture, I guess, you know? So I think it occurs there too. Yeah. Yeah. And I think we've all been in this position where you're just having a good conversation with someone. And then all of a sudden they start triangulating by talking negatively about About someone else. Totally. It's so uncomfortable to be in those, you know, conversations. A lot Mm -hmm. of times I felt, I found myself at the beginning just kind of like nodding my head and smiling to (laughs) to just avoid the conversation. But looking back at it, it would look to the other person like I'm agreeing with them. Totally. So are you, okay. So then I, I mean, and it is, it's hard to be in those situations. I, what I would say is, is if you are enlightened enough and awake enough to realize that someone's trying to triangulate with you, right? And I okay. think like pretty much all of our listeners are, like, I think you wouldn't be listening to Julie's podcast if you weren't like sort of oh, an, right. an, an awakened soul, right? 100%. 100%, right? So what I would say is in in those situations, because I'll even do this, you know, it, it kind of goes, it goes back to the energy work, right? And, you know, if you can remain sort of disengaged, and I agree, I think the shaking of that, it's hard though, because you don't want to get in a fight with them or something. But I think, you know, what, what I would be doing in a situation like that is maybe even saying sort of a, a quiet um, prayer to myself that's, that, that's kind of saying like, you know, please, please help so-and-so, um, you know, awaken as well and, and realize the harm that they're doing and, um, you know, trying to pin, you know, the three of us against each other and, you know, please send love and light their way. Like, I mean, I think there's things energetically that we can do when we feel like we're helplessly, um, 
stuck in those situations? Because mm-hmm. what, what I would guess is, is a lot of the listeners that are more awake are not, I'm not going to say we're all innocent because none of us are perfect, but you, maybe you're better at not trying to triangulate or create those toxic patterns because you are more awake, but that doesn't mean you're going to be immune from people in your life that maybe aren't so awake yeah. that are going to be doing these things. And how can you um, extract yourself from it? Right. 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 And, yes. and it is hard, but I have heard people say before, like I heard one person when I was younger say, I will listen to you. Um, but I don't want to have any, but I will not add to this conversation. And, mm-hmm. um, if I smile or not, please don't take that as me agreeing with you. I'm just trying to totally. be there to listen to you. To so listen and support you. I think yeah. that is good. Yes. Yeah. So I love that one. And I've also heard people say, this isn't a healthy conversation. I don't want to be a part of it. And just kind yes. of shut it down that way. And and then I think the person who's trying to engage in that toxic, like I love when you talk about like the low vibe versus the high vibe. It's like, yeah, it's like you're bringing the energy down and, and it's like you're just, you're, you're choose And I think when you kind of acknowledge that that's what's happening, I think that it's good too because it makes that person aware that like that's probably what's happening. Yeah, yeah. And yeah. I, I like to say that there's no bad guys too because as we're going through this awakening process and mm-hmm. everybody is shifting from um, where they are on the vibrational chart, right? Some people mm-hmm. are low, some people are medium, some people are high. Doesn't make us better than one another. We'll all eventually mm-hmm. get to the same place. Yes. But I don't want anybody to feel like on the podcast, oh, well, I triangulate, so we're shaming you because that's not it at all. I right. think a lot of people learn this behavior as a child or yes. maybe it's just this innate human behavior of I want to feel right. You know, I want to feel like somebody's on my side. Maybe I don't feel like I have anybody. And totally. so I'm going to talk about this with other people to get their opinions, to help validate myself. I was also thinking too, how, especially, I think you might, I think you're like, when you talk about, you know, I really believe too, like I do a lot of um, work at like healing, you know, your inner child. Cause I, I feel like, Oh, girl, I do a whole nother podcast. Absolutely. No, that's my jam. And I, that's where I do guided meditations where we kind of go in and rescue the child and soothe them. Because I do believe like one to 18 and even more like one to 12, I would say, like literally you do not get to choose. I mean, maybe you're on the soul level, right? Like before we come into body, but um, once you're here, you don't get to choose who your parents are are where you live, what you eat, if you eat, where you sleep, if you sleep. I mean, all these things are so out of our control. And depending on how toxic the situation is when you're little, I think you develop coping mechanisms that make you sort of have a false illusion of control. So something Mm -hmm. like if you were in an environment where it was very toxic and you didn't feel like you had a lot of control over what was going on around you, you could see how something like sort of triangulating people or, you know, positioning yourself where you feel like you're in control and, um, you know, you're, you're kind of two steps ahead of, you know, maybe the other angles of your triangle um, that you would feel really soothed in, in the idea that you have control there. 
Um, oh, and completely. So, yes. Completely. Yeah. Yes. Well, and as a kid who went through divorce, right. I could totally see, like, going back to where I was, you know, um, back then. Yeah. That when I dealt with mom, I just wanted to please mom. And when yes. I dealt with dad, I just wanted to please dad. And yes. so you're, you're maybe the statements that you're making are tweaked a little bit. The way that you're looking totally. at things is like tweaked a little bit and yes. you don't mean to do it. You just yes. want to have some sense of safety and security as a child. Right. And you become an expert on, on, you know, those little nuances of like, this is how I need to say it to mommy. And this is how I need to say it to daddy. Yeah. Yeah. Totally. You know what? And I just had a brainstorm. We should do a class together. Oh my gosh. Catherine, I feel like we're (laughs) going to be working so much together. I'm so excited that you're coming. Me too. I know. I was like, yeah, no, I said to my husband, because I, I, like, went to, I was, like, gearing up to tell him, and he was just, like, oh, yeah, you need to go to that. I was, like, yeah, I do. <laughs> like, I was, like, just so excited, yes. That's so awesome. Yeah. So, we should do, like, an online course together. I've been wanting to do one, but yeah. we should do a whole, like, month-long or, you know, two, three-week course on um, inner child work. Oh, I, I mean that. I work. love that stuff. Yes, yes. And I, I tend to fuse like certain techniques, like, but I feel like I've made them my own. Like, um, internal family IFS is like one that is really popular, but he follows a very sort of strict regimen of like how to go in and that you have to deal with the defensive parts before you, you know, work with the inner child. And I, I believe that like the inner child is ready and waiting to be, to be held and soothed and, um, felt like they have a voice again and that you get a chance to reparent. Like what I love about that is the child still feels helpless, but you can be the loving parent to that child that they maybe never felt they had. Yeah. 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 Oh, my gosh. Well, tell me when you're coming in and maybe either like Friday night or Saturday night. We'll have yeah. to like sit down and figure and out. brainstorm a little bit. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. okay. <laughs> All good stuff. Okay. So I want to bring this to a question that I have when it comes to empathic people. There are mm-hmm. people who can just feel energy. They can feel the emotions, the feelings the thoughts coming off of other people so much more powerfully than others. And what I find with so many of my highly empathic clients Mm -hmm. is that what they do is they go around and look for everybody else's opinion and input before their own. And and I can see that maybe some triangulation happens just within themselves, that now they're adding all these other people's opinions in when they haven't just sat down with themselves and thought, what do I think about this first? Are well, we so used to like talking to other people to yeah. get their opinions that we're doing this just too much? Here's what I think. I think with empaths, I think the tendency, well, for one, I think empaths inherently are usually like more um, artistic, which means they're probably have some more like 
because you're an empath, you're so acutely aware of like everybody else's reactions around you, much painfully aware, more so than like, you know, uh, other people can kind of go through life without sort of absorbing everybody's little nuanced reactions to everything that you're doing and saying. And if you're an empath, you're, you're so aware to, to a, a, a fault almost, I guess. And, um, and because of that, like, um, yeah, life feels more painful. And, um, so I think you're wanting sort of the perfect, um, solution to your problem where you feel like you're not going to have to absorb any negative shockwaves from, you know, the people around you, which you are so acutely aware. And I think that it's, it's really about, and also I think because you're an empath, you can wear someone else's, you can basically live in someone else's skin. I mean, it's like whatever the mm-hmm. story is, you can instantly take it on as your own. And so I think it's really about like just recognizing and trusting that like also like what I try and do, cause all, most of my clients, we are, we're all like creative, artistic, intuitive. And so it's, it's about celebrating the gifts that come with that. And so mm. it's just, you know, it's to say, okay, well, you know, I am so into, like, I, I already have the answer. Like, the fact that I'm this intuitive empath, like, I just need to be more confident, like, in listening to my spirit guides or whatever intuitive part of myself is pulling this forward as the answer, right? Yes. Yes. Well, and I just had such an aha moment when you were talking about that, because what yeah. Spirit was showing me is, um, and it's exactly what you said, just in a different way, of when the empath is going to other people for their opinions, what mm-hmm. they're doing is actually dipping their toe in the water to see how what they're saying is going to be received yes. by the people around them. So if it is not going to be received well, then maybe Mm -hmm. they shy away from that decision. And that's a total aha moment because it's not that they're not wanting to do what they want to do within their heart. It's Mm -hmm. that they are worried about how it's going to be received by others around them. Because they can feel that so much more acutely than someone who's not so intuitive or empathic. Oh, totally. 100%. You can feel it. Yes, mm-hmm. you can feel, and again, it's it's painful, right? <laughs> we yeah. develop all these defenses around not feeling that pain. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, okay, so let's go into some examples of triangulation. So yeah. let's say, so we already talked a little bit about the triangulation at work. Even a boss can triangulate. Absolutely, with like... Right. They could be kind of saying in each, each person's ear, you know, I really, I really think you're, you're, I'm grooming you for this promotion. And right. They could be saying the exact same thing to somebody else. And then you're in competition with each other and maybe backstabbing the other. I mean, it just, and like, as I say these things, it just feels yucky, right? Yes. It's just yucky totally. energy. <laughs> yes. 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 Okay. I got a, another one. What okay. about when you're in marriage mm-hmm. and you and it's like the mother-in-law and yes. one spouse is, let's say it's the husband who keeps going to the mother-in-law yeah. to bounce ideas off of them or to criticize the wife yeah. um, or husband in any situation. 
And then the mother-in-law ends up taking on these misconceived perceptions or negative opinions Mm -hmm. about the other spouse. And now we're creating a dynamic where it's very uncomfortable for the mother-in-law and the spouse. The daughter-in-law. Yes. Yes. That's a hundred. I mean, well, first of all, I always like to say like, in a family, you know, it's having those clear defined boundaries, right? And your your protection really needs to be on your family unit. And when you get married and if and when you have children, you know, that is your, that is now your primary nuclear family, right? You came from one nuclear family with your parents and siblings, and now you're making a new one. And, and it really is about being mindful and aware of, you know, who and when you talk to about certain things and, and maybe instead of talking to your, your, you know, mom, you need to journal it out or go to a therapist um, or have a safe place to talk out these things where you're not going to be saying something that's toxic about your spouse and then expecting that parent to sit in a room with that person and, and you know, be loving and act, you know, and feel safe with that person. Yes. And what you're showing me as you're talking is that when we, okay, so we talk about high vibe, low vibe, and Mm -hmm. everything is vibration. And I've also talked to everybody about the soul, what the soul looks like as light energy. Yes. And that there are light connections between our soul and the souls of the people in our soul family here Mm -hmm. and on the other side. Mm -hmm. And what spirit is showing me is that when we triangulate, when we talk negatively about one person to another person who's in our soul family, Mm -hmm. what happens is we weaken that light energy between us. We Mm -hmm. change the vibration from that light energy connecting us and them. And, Mm -hmm. and it's something that is palpable that can be felt and it's not that it can't be corrected it absolutely Mm -hmm. can be corrected but again we're kind of taking this back to how do we keep our relationships in high vibration and Mm -hmm. this is how you can do it because when you don't go to the mother-in-law or somebody else in the family when you go directly to the person and talk about them or talk it out with a counselor first and then yes. talk it out with, with your, your person partner. directly. Mm-hmm. Yes. Yes. Then you're keeping it high vibe. You're keeping what you said, like that nuclear family unit all together. Yes. And it's, yeah. and it, it's so important to do that. And I think like, I do think when, when you hold the clear boundary, right. And you, you basically communicate to the other family members that, you know, my husband, my wife, my child or children, you know, they are my priority. You know, I am sort of the protector of this, this little, this little bubble floating around the universe. Um, I think, I think it, then, then that message is received also by other family members and it's respected. And I think you then maintain, as you say, like a higher vibe sort of amongst those relationships as well because it's it's sort of clear where the boundary is and and I think everybody tends to hold that and things are smoother and there's peace and you know love and respect for everybody yes I think the problem that I've seen is 
getting men to a point of realizing that this is an actual issue. Because mm-hmm. in a lot of my sessions, what I find is that the men will say, but it's just my mom. This is just, yeah. like, I should have the right to be able to talk to my mom. And there right. are so many, like hundreds of examples that I could point to where mm-hmm. the husband ends up putting that family member above his marriage. And he doesn't yeah. get it because that nuclear family has been all he's known all of his life. Right. And so how do you work with couples, specifically like the person that's having trouble understanding this? How do you get them to realize that the spouse is number one? Well, I think, again, it's it's really talking about sort of the generational lines. Um, the same way that, you know, ultimately it's like, we, I love, there's um, a great quote in, um, do you know the poet Rumi? Yes. Uh, yes. Yes. Oh my gosh. This one client of mine brought in this beautiful poem. I'll have to find it. Um, and basically talks about how we as parents are the bows and our children are the arrows. And mm. um, yeah, and we really are basically launching these arrows out in the world and they're going to go where they're going to go. And if they turn around back towards us, that's wonderful. But if they need to go off in another direction, you know, that, that, that is the way of the arrow. And, and I think that that's a really healthy way to look at our children that, that, that we're, we want to make them into fully functioning independent adults that we have great relationships with, but that they also have their own lives. And in that same way, I think you want that, you know, with your parents, right? There, there's clear generational boundaries. It's like you want your kids to have their own friendships, their own relationships, their own lives, just like you want that for yourself, just like your parents need to have that for themselves. So I think if you just kind of look in those generational boundaries, I think that that helps a lot. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I love that example of the era. I That's know. so beautiful. It's such a pretty poem. I'll I'll find it and I'll send it to you. But okay. I just, yeah, it's beautiful. That is beautiful. So the other big situation that I see coming up, and I, I know that this is just because the arena that I work in, but the sibling dynamic, mm-hmm. you know, we think that Um, our relationships with our nuclear family that we grew up with as children, we see them just remaining that way throughout our entire lives. And I think Mm -hmm. that this is one of the biggest things that I work with with people's heart chakras, because Mm -hmm. when it doesn't go the way that they expect, there Mm -hmm. is just such pain and rawness within their heart chakra. You see this a lot with siblings Um, throughout the years, but a a greater portion comes in when a parent passes and Mm -hmm. then you're going through the process of wrapping up their estate. You know, sometimes I hear, well, my sister went in and she took this and I really wanted that. I mean, there's just, there's so much that we could go into, right? How do we deal with siblings? So, it's interesting because I just had a session with a client who has a really hard relationship with her sibling. And um, we we were kind of like talking about um, sort of the elephant in the room, which is that as much as she feels like, you know, you're supposed to sort of love your brother or sister, like sometimes that relationship is just, I think between parents, there's something so visceral 
in the connection between like li- the literal loins that brought your physical yeah. being into the world versus um, a sibling. I think it it is more complicated, and and it's a it's a and they they're a part. They sort of I think the connection is that they were a part of of that same painful sort of, I think all childhoods in in essence are traumatic in a sense, because like I said, there's so much that you don't have control over. So they're Mm -hmm. a part of this difficult part of your narrative, right? Um, That childhood is sort of inherently, you know, laden with stress and then your, your different personalities um, and you, because of that, you form different relationships with your parents. I mean, you, you see that all the time where it's like, you know, Two kids can be raised by the same parents under the same roof and just are have totally different relationships with their parents. Mm-hmm. And then so the other thing I was going to say is, you know, and I know you talk about this too, but sometimes I'll even take it to like the soul level, right? Where, um, you know, if if we are to imagine that, you know, we are reincarnated souls that, and a lot of us have soul families that we're kind of coming back again and again to work through certain issues with. I I sometimes try and frame that for my client, like, well, what do you think this life lesson in this lifetime with this person, what is the challenge and what do you think you're really supposed to take from it? And sometimes at least that helps to broaden sort of the context, like the meaning of like why there's they're suffering with this person in this way. And that's absolutely the best way to look at it too. Mm -hmm. Taking it back to triangulation, a lot of times two siblings can triangulate or there can be a triangulation between siblings and a parent parent, who is trying to mediate between the two, which I think can be really like a a burden on the Mm -hmm. parent to be in that position what do you do then? Or what are some examples maybe that you've seen in your work? I think I, and I know I said this to you before we got on the call. It's so hard when I like don't have a perfect example right in front of me because I hear it all the time and then we kind of weave it into whatever is happening during that day. But I think in general, like if I were to be talking to a mother or a father that felt like they were in the middle of two of their kids, right? And and it's like natural that you would want to be that way, right? Because, you know, I think with parental love, it is very unconditional. And so no matter, even if you had one kid that was murdering people and the other one as like a <laughs> high society banker, somehow that parent is going to create a narrative that like is still loving towards the, you know, murderer, right? Like you just, you love your kids no matter what, right? Mm-hmm. So I think um, sort of in spite of their flaws. And so I think for the parent, I think what I would say is you is you go back to the boundaries. You say to each child, like, because I am your parent, it is impossible for me to offer anything but unconditional love to both of you, right? Like I'm going yeah. to be able to see both sides no matter what. And because of that, sort of it's an unfair position for me to be in to be in the middle. So if you have a concern that you need to address with your brother or your sister, I'm going to direct it back to the other person. Basically that you just I think as the parent, you need to, you know, you basically and you, you shut you it down. You, yeah. yeah, you redirect it. And then same for the siblings. Like if you're noticing 
that the other sibling is doing that, or maybe you've heard of that from your parent, like, and say you are the more, you know, sort of aware, we'll say aware instead of awakened, aware <laughs> of the yeah. dynamic. Um, you go to that person and you do the same thing. You say, look, like mom or dad are not, they're not going to be able to have an unbiased view. It's unfair to, um, you know, we're burdening dad or we're burdening mom with our pain, you know, when we put them in the middle, like, let's figure this out, you and I, you know? Yeah. Yeah. No, I can totally see I that. I think that's a good way to do it. Yeah. Yeah. I like that. Mm-hmm. Oh, my goodness. And, well, I am yeah. so excited. Oh, what were you going to say? I was just going to say, and sometimes at the end of the day, you know, your your siblings are not, um, you know, sometimes we have a, a birth family and then we have sort of chosen family or friends. And sometimes, like, for whatever reason, and it's maybe part of your soul's journey, you're supposed to have a difficult connection with one or multiple siblings. And and so sometimes it's about coming to peace with that and and recognizing maybe sometimes, like, part of your soul family is is a friend or multiple friends rather than the person that, you know, you were born and raised with. That was yeah. the only other thing I was going to say. I think that we could incorporate so much of this into some inner child work. So I'm excited yeah. about that. Let's yeah. talk on the podcast if you're willing Absolutely. to come on. Absolutely, yeah. Yeah, no, this is fun. we'll talk about inner child. I <laughs> totally. love doing that work. I can do clients. that all. Yes, totally. Yes. Yeah, I'm it's so healing, you know, and I think it we could is. go into the, some of the sibling stuff, too, with the mm-hmm. inner child and just heal. Totally. And it's, yeah. it's, it's all that inner child. It's, um, it's the child. It's the siblings. It's the parents. Like, there's so yeah. many ways that we get fractured. And, and peers. I mean, I was like, I think part of, you know, my story is I was, I was like, so, te- I was like, so awkward and weird and teased a lot as a kid. And even if you kind of grow out of that awkwardness, you hold on to that. And so I think that's a part of us that needs to be sort of soothed and healed. And, you know, if we have trouble with our siblings or our parents, I mean, I think we just, those things really get embedded in at at a cellular level and it really needs to be worked through. Yeah. 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 Mm -hmm. Because if you're not working through that pain, what I feel, and I'm so excited for you to learn this at the angel school, is yes. that it's accumulated. And when you get into, let's say, the heart chakra or the solar plexus, mm-hmm. um, what you're going to feel is that it's almost like layers upon layers upon layers mm-hmm. mushed and stacked upon each other. And what you're doing is you're going through layer by layer and just healing you know, mm. and bringing healing. And what I love about doing the Reiki and the energy healing with the messages is that yeah. Archangel Michael always steps in when it comes to the inner child. He is mm. the archangel of the inner child because he brings that like safety and security, that emotional healing. And okay. so when Archangel Michael steps in with inner child work, it's as if the messages that he's bringing through are tackling your egoic mind and Mm -hmm. shutting down all of the thoughts that you've had your entire life about one particular topic while the Mm -hmm. energy healing is coming into the body the energy fields the chakras and really disintegrating and taking out you know that pain i love the 
Catherine, I am so excited about this partnership. I think Me us too. working together and teaming up on the energy healing, the angel aspect, and you bringing in the really professional point of view of um, you being a psychologist yourself and the professional view that that brings in, I think that there is just so much that we have to talk about and share with Absolutely. the listeners out there. Really excited Absolutely. about it. And I really feel like you offer such a gift to the world and everything that you do. And so I'm so excited to come to your angel school in a few weeks and um, hopefully get to, you know, help spread, you know, the the work that you're doing as well, because I think it's so important. Oh, thank you. You know, if people want to find you on social media, where can they find you? Well, I I had an Instagram page that I have kind of set aside, but I probably need to set back up. But I it's um Awaken with Me Sidi is my Instagram page, and then um, I have a website which is uh, you can either find me on Psychology Today, like if you were to do a therapist search, um, uh, Dr. Catherine Perkle, and then my website is just um, drcatherineperkle.com. So it's dr. K-A-T-H-R-Y-N-P-E-R-K-E-L.com. That's perfect. I yeah. will put both of those in the show notes. If perfect. you have questions um, for Dr. Catherine, please um, hop on over to social media. You can find me at Instagram or Facebook at the at sign angel podcast at angel podcast. And we can pull through any questions that you have we will talk about in a future episode together. If you enjoyed this podcast, if you think a friend could benefit from this podcast, please be an angel and share it with a friend, family member. Also, don't forget to leave five stars. If you got benefit out of today's podcast, please leave us five stars. And as an added bonus, if you leave a review on iTunes, our Facebook page, or Google business page, I'll enter you into a monthly drawing to win a free session. Also, don't forget to screenshot that review and send it to me so that I know who to contact or where to find you when you win. Friends, thank you so much for being with us today. I don't ask you to support the podcast through Patreon. I would love it, though, if this resonates with you. If you want an angel reading or Reiki healing please book a session. There are 25-minute sessions available or 55-minute sessions. And that's all over on my website, jancis.com. Catherine, thank you so much. Yeah, that was so fun. And I bragged to everybody about you. So I'm hoping you got, maybe if you notice an influx. Oh, you're so sweet. Thank you. Yeah. No, I appreciate that. Thank you so much. Thank you, Julie. All right. Sounds good. Talk to you later. All right. Bye. Bye. Friends, please open up your heart to all of the unexpected blessings that your spirit team is trying to bring into your life right now. They are working on your behalf to bring you healing, to bring you to a place where you not only feel whole, but happy, happy with this life that you're living They want you to just be amazed with this life. There is nothing that they can't do from the other side. There is nothing that they can't put together and make work for you, okay? They can work miracles in your life. So 
I want you to see your heart opening. I want you to see your spirit team bringing in all of these unexpected miracles, these blessings your way. And just if you have time this week, give thanks. Jot something down in your gratitude journal if you keep one. And if you don't keep a gratitude journal, simply write a thank you letter to God or to the universe, thanking them for everything that they've brought into your life. Friends, I love you. They love you so much. Have a beautiful, wonderful start to your week. And I'll see you back here Thursday for a mini episode.